0: Hey, welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast, where we seek to answer the question, is Percibeth the greatest love story ever told? We've got a very special Percibeth episode coming up and a great special guest who is um, very qualified to be here, in my opinion. So Sea of Monsters, part two, chapters eight through 13. Let's do it. All righty. Hello, Carter. Hi. I decided to greet you first today.
1: That's that's very generous of you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and hello, Kyle.
2: Hi there. Uh, my name is Kyle Pru. Uh, I know Erica from improv. Um, you I think I'm every here. Every
0: ounce of street cred that I had from doing a podcast about <laughs> children's just, books.
2: Uh, yeah, I just really outed you. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I feel like the like Venn diagram of people who are really in the YA literature and people who do improv is just a circle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tell me a little bit about, other than um, making funny jokes. What do you do with your life?
2: Sure. Um, so I think I am here because I am a uh, young adult fantasy author. Uh, I wrote a series of books uh, called the Few Trilogy. Um, the sparks and the flames are out uh, wherever books are sold. If you can get to a place where books are <laughs> sold, of course. Otherwise, they're on they're on the internet. Um, and, uh, I have a third book coming out in August. Um, I don't, we have, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but in like elementary to middle school, I was like a Percy Jackson super fan. Like I like, God, I like wore the orange t-shirt like every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you Sharpie? I, cause I definitely took an orange crew neck and I like turned it inside out and I like Sharpied a terrible (laughs) unicorn or a Pegasus onto the shirt.
2: Yeah, well the thing is they didn't like sell merch for a very long time. And right, it's true. I, I got mine at like an at like an event, like a fan event when one of the oh. books came out.
0: Cool. So you were a Percy Jackson super fan and you've written these novels. The Ashes was gonna come out a little bit ago, right? But of the course ashes pandemic.
2: Has almost come out so many times. In if you open the flames and you go to the very back, it says like the ashes is coming out in April of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it got delayed one year because I wanted to be a kid in college and be all fun. And then it got delayed because of the pandemic. It was supposed to come out in March, I think.
0: Um, wait, yeah, tell me a little bit about your books. So
2: The Sparks, it's, uh, it's a young adult fantasy novel. It's about a family feud between these three different uh, families. And they've sort of split up this city and are sort of running it like these like gangs, sort of. And um, each family passes down a different superpower. So it's these three superhuman families who have been like warring and trying to like intimidate people for centuries. And then all of a sudden people start going missing. People start getting killed and they realize they're being hunted and they have to deal with that.
0: I could have probably stolen that soundbite from like another Kyle Pru interview. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Watch our like 50 listeners go out and buy your book.
2: And and yeah, then, th- then I can eat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you said that you were a huge Percy Jackson fan, and I seem to recall you mentioning at one point um that like your books were somewhat inspired by Rick Riordan and his All multiverse.
2: All the way, yeah. No. He's he's the best. I even reading like even reading this book back, I was like, wow, it still slaps so much.
0: hmm Yes that is how both of us feel therefore i starting a podcast <laughs> right. i
2: was like Hi. i was like you guys like it too <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you started writing them you started writing them when you were in high school
2: yeah i wrote or the first old. one when i was 16 and it got published when i was 18 so like when i was a senior in high school i was like going to other schools and like talking about it and it was really really weird
0: boy wonder as they say <laughs> yeah, a local 13 exactly. year old in your area may right. have met Kyle Pru in a cafeteria at some point
2: I was the the Robin of young adult literature.
0: <laughs> um, I have some questions to ask you that we ask all of our guests, not just our distinguished young adult authors. Sure. <laughs> so the first one, um, you mentioned a little bit, but when did you first start reading the Percy Jackson books?
2: Like um, how? Yeah, I was in, I think, fourth grade. And uh, so then I think at that time about the first three were out. Yeah. And uh, I had like a, a best friend and we would always do like pretend games. And he was like, I want to do like a Percy Jackson sort of themed pretend game. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he
0: was, We like, call those you- cosplays. Yeah, days. I was basically
2: LARPing <laughs> um, as a child. And he said you have to read this series. So he gave me the first two, and I read them. And then from then on, it was just every time a book came out, I was like there, day one, ready to go.
0: Wow, what an immersive way to first start reading these books! Like you were given a role well, yeah, an assignment, long-term. yeah, and you had to go and do the research first.
2: Was there a particular character that you ended up being assigned most of the time? in, in the in your no, life? so basically we like we like cut Percy Jackson out of the story, and we put my Ooh. friend in there. And then uh, I was just like an added sort of side (laughs) guy.
0: That's beautiful. And then how, when you first read the books in fourth grade or whatever, how did you first pronounce the name of Prissy Jackson's centaur, mentor, teacher, friend?
2: Okay, so we had a guy in our fourth grade (laughs) class and his name was Chiron. (laughs) So when I read the book, I was like, oh. Also Chiron. Excellent. And then when I, like, I think I, I think it was a long time later, someone was like, oh, yeah, Chiron. And I was like, what?
0: <laughs> this is, a, you can answer this if you desire. If you don't want to desire, we'll skip it. I feel like everyone has kind of answered it thus far, but do you feel like you have a specific godly parent?
2: Um, like, what cabin
0: would you be in?
2: What cabin would I be in? Well, like, if I took a BuzzFeed quiz? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: I really, I really like, uh, like Apollo because yeah. he's all like music and like artistic poetry. inspiration and poetry. I definitely
0: assumed that you would say do Apollo. Do you guys,
2: what, what, what are your guys's, have you picked one?
0: Oh my God, no one's ever asked us that. <laughs>
1: there, there's um. There's like um. Erica made fan art of ourselves. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. I'm Percy
0: and Carter is Annabeth. Yeah. Obviously in a realistic world, pretty much everyone I know is probably Apollo. Yeah. Um, including myself. Yeah. But didn't that be weird? Because, you know, <laughs> I'm going to date my friends. So
2: Right. Yeah, sure. You don't want to be related. I identified most with Paul Blofus, I think.
0: A Paul is such a... We are not there yet, <laughs> but wow. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite characters. And then, okay, I'll just put this out there in case there is anything that's like on your mind. If you really wanted to drop anything about the books up till this point, since we kind of, you know, you're jumping in midway. You didn't get to sure. talk about The Lightning Thief.
2: Uh, I have, so I I read Sea of Monsters for this. This book kind of hits different in 2020, huh? Mm.
0: (laughs) Like,
2: there are a couple themes where I was like, oh,
0: huh. Yeah, I
2: mean, we'll get to that. That's in the the chapters that we're talking about.
0: Yes, it definitely is. All right. Well then, great. Let's freaking do it. So, where we last left off was on the beach
1: yeah so um the final scene we were just looking at last time was hermes giving percy all of these gifts giving him advice about family and sort of wink wink nudge nudge saying you should you should also go on this quest and your friends are showing up so make Mm -hmm. your decision um so yeah annabeth and tyson meet percy on the beach he tells them what happened and they are both basically just saying you know Screw it. Let's, Let's go. It. Let's do it. Annabeth, even though she's been sworn by um, Kyron to, like, protect Percy and keep him at camp, or it's maybe safer, I don't know, like, she very quickly is like, you know what, I, you know, my I, my actual oath was to protect you, and I guess, I guess if you have to leave, then I have to leave too. I don't know, like...
0: Yeah, Frank, I think they're both a little bit, like, we cannot let Clarice do this by herself. Like, <laughs> the stakes are high, and we have to yeah. save over. So both Annabeth and Tyson... um. Are like let's 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 go to the Princess Andromeda, but the ship is sailing away, and they're like, "How are we gonna get there?" Percy, pray to your dad, and he does, <laughs> even though they're on a lake. He prays to his dad, and he gets answered, which I think is a huge moment because, like, this is after Tyson got claimed, and this is after he's sort of feeling like he's now on weird terms with his dad because he has a quote unquote monster mm-hmm. brother. Um, but immediately, these three beautiful fish horses show up. I love
2: that Poseidon pays child support in horsefish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gave him, he, he paid Percy off with these three beautiful horses, including one that's big enough for Tyson named Rainbow, who literally comes back throughout all of the books. So this is the first time we're meeting them, but world building, 10 points. Um, Regular. So, so we're like, okay, maybe Poseidon's a good dad. And then they ride the hippocampi to the Princess Andromeda. And also on the way, there's a little moment where Percy... um, is, like, I guess, like, thinking in his head about his namesake, the hero Perseus, and how, although Perseus was a son of Zeus, um, his mom named him after him because he was one of the few Greek heroes to have a happy ending, Um, which is really (laughs) sad because he's a 12-year-old.
1: I mean, it's sort of here prompted by um, both, like, the fact that, like, Hermes is sort of asking about Hercules, right, like, in the scene before this, which we um, haven't read in, like, a little bit, Mm -hmm. but... um, (laughs) That that happens her right before, and also like, um, I think the only real reference we get to the actual namesake of the princess Andromeda, women in Greek mythology who gets changed the rocks, where this like giant sea monster is attacking, gets saved by Perseus, ends up marrying him,
0: mm-hmm. and they have a good life. They
1: do have a good life, um,
0: yeah. Which is which is definitely on Percy's mind because of the whole great prophecy. I'm gonna die thing. He he doesn't know the prophecy, but he knows he's probably gonna die. Um, so he's just he's just thinking about his own mortality, as we should all do more. So they're on the ship. Um, Percy has another dream.
1: Um, yeah, uh, when they're on the ship, Percy dreams about Kronos again. It's sort of more or less standard fare. Like, the gods are bad. They don't like you. You should come join me. I will respect you. Your labor will be valued by me. Cut away to Grover. And, um... Labor is a trap. Labor is a trap. Uh, to, and then we cut away to Grover with uh, Polyphemus doing this... Um, sort of famous um, sewing the train trick. Like this is sort of, um, we get as a reference to, um, oh my God, Odysseus. And um, Odysseus' wife, who also does the same thing where she like sews a train, and sews a train in an attempt to stall a marriage. Um, yes. Yeah. Um,
0: Odysseus is the main sea of monsters. Yeah,
1: Odysseus is the first yeah, person who yeah. uh, blinds Polyphemus. And this is sort of an interesting merging
2: of those two stories. It's so bonkers that this works. That, like, in, 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 like, Greek mythology in general, like, if you just don't want to get married, you just have to spend, like, a couple years doing a wedding train.
0: <laughs> this is, there's also this, um, should acknowledge the fact yeah. that, like, Grover in a wedding dress is sort of, like, <laughs> supposed to be, like, a quirky, humorous moment. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe not, but I definitely wanted to, like, when I was reading that, I was like, hmm, it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm just not going to think that it's that funny that he's in a wedding dress. It's more funny that he's like and also that he's like talking in falsetto. Yeah. Seven. He's just
2: I I, I feel yeah like in in like 2007 when this came out, like The Doubt Fire medium was like huge, you know.
0: <sighs> isn't it still? Isn't it still? I shout out to?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Santino Fontana who
0: winning the Tony winning award. Winning the Tony award for this and and Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical, coming to Broadway. What's that's happening? Goddamn. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay, what comes next? So that's in the drain.
1: Yes. Right? We wake up. Yeah. They're, like, running through the ship trying to find Luke, trying to figure out what's going on. They also, like, immediately after, as you write in the notes, like, hide in a women's restroom to try to spy on them and hear more about them. And this is also played up for sort of a combination of shock value, comedic value, with Percy saying, like, you know, he doesn't want to be there it's awkward etc but while while they're in there they're they're listening around and they can tell you know that not just luke is on board but um on the way there they also see um chris rodriguez who we haven't met before but we're led to believe like percy and annabeth both know this is um again like one of our fresh new faces who is not white tm wow we love that but also like um chris is like an un. Claimed camper formerly, and we're really confused about what he's doing here because all we were told basically is that Luke is somewhere on the ship, which we are also led to believe is like a maybe normal cruise ship, although it's a little creepy. So this is tipping us yeah. off as the fact that that's you know not the case. Something is afoot, and something maybe has to do with other demigods. High stakes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Tyson also, uh we find out that one of his special cyclops skills is that he can do really good imitations. Which is great.
2: It's like Tyson Tyson is like, oh, yeah, I have super strength. And also I do incredible impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Annabeth doesn't love it, though. Annabeth gets really freaked out
1: by his impressions. He
0: creeps her out. We still don't know why. We're going to find out really soon, though. Um, and basically, uh, Luke is on board. Bum, bum. And he, like, I guess he, it's because it's he has super senses now or something weird is going on with Luke. But he basically knows that they're there. And he's like, Percy, Annabeth, if it isn't my favorite cousins... So they've realized that like Hermes didn't just send them to the ship to like give them a mode of transport. He he needed them to like go and talk to Luke
2: immediately. Hermes really buried the lead on that one. He was kind of like, "Yeah, if you see my son like at some <laughs> point in your journey, like this is what you need to tell him. Now go on that boat." And they go on the boat and Luke's there and he's like, "All right. Well, your dad told us like 30 minutes ago <laughs> to say that he's not giving up on you.
0: The gods can't directly interfere, so it's not like Hermes could have just gone there himself.
2: All right. Yes.
0: Yeah, I just think it's interesting that Luke calls Percy and Annabeth his cousins.
2: That whole thing... <laughs> that is, like, the, the whole thing about this series that's a little weird, because, like... <laughs> Uncle Rick explicitly clears it up at the
1: beginning of, I want to say, Last Olympian, but up until that point, we're just sort of wondering. We're just sort of a little bit... Yeah confused and uncomfortable at this point
0: we're like is this friend zoning annabeth and her mysterious feelings for Luke? <laughs>
1: the other thing that's worth mentioning is that like when rick riordan eventually does clear it up the way that he quote-unquote clears it up is by saying that the gods don't have dna which is a very interesting like biology biology as determinism type answer for me to this question of whether or not they're related because i'll be like there's another level, like, I feel like we, at this point, it's 2020, we care about, like, these social implica- implications of, like, what the family unit looks like. And for them, like, don't they, on some level, like, seriously, socially identify each
2: other as relatives? Like, And don't they kind of look like, like their parents? that. do like, well, they? Every, every, yeah. every time, like, a god shows up, Percy's like, oh, it kind of looks like Annabeth. This must be Athena. Yeah. Like, yeah, they don't have yeah. DNA, but they do have, like, like a, some sort of... They all have traits. blue or gray or green
1: eyes, depending on who the parent is.
0: Sure. <laughs> and then Luke kind of has a whole spiel. Luke is like really, almost Dr. Doofenshmirtz level, evil speech giver. He really... <laughs>
1: he really feels himself when he does these. <laughs> and
0: I feel it too. Please. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm right, let's
1: go. This I
2: is... can't lie. I...
0: <laughs> Are you also a Luke stan, Kyle? I see that for you. I,
2: I, I kind of. Like a little bit like when he was like, why don't we like rebuild society? Like, isn't this really messed up? He's like, the West is rotten to its core. I was like, well, I ca- kind of okay. like,
0: <laughs> yep. yeah, I
2: was like, I was like, Luke, you're making some pretty salient points. Mm,
0: salient <laughs> as,
2: as, as, as a third grader, I might have been like, no, the West is awesome. I was like, we love <laughs> the West and Coca Cola. And now I'm like, you know what?
0: <laughs> That's such a specific reference because also I feel like my idea of America was summarized by Coca-Cola.
2: They literally yeah. do explicitly
1: mention Coca-Cola. And it's funny because Coca-Cola is literally a force of imperialism. That,
0: anyway, um, Anyway, we have a little reading.
1: <laughs> for those of, you, th- those of you following along at home, is this is page 127. You poisoned Talia's tree. Luke sighed. Right to the point, eh? Okay, sure. I poisoned the tree. So what? How could you? Annabeth sounded so angry, I thought she'd explode. Talia saved your life, our lives. How could you dishonor her? I didn't dishonor her, Luke snapped. The gods dishonored her, Annabeth. If Talia were alive, she'd be on my side. Liar. If you knew what was coming, you'd understand. I understand you want to destroy the camp, she yelled. You're a monster. Luke shook his head. The gods have blinded you. Can not you imagine a world without them, Annabeth? What good is that ancient history you study? Three thousand years of baggage. The West is brought into the core. It has to be destroyed. Join me. We can start a new world. We could use your intelligence, Annabeth. Because you have none of your own. His eyes narrowed. I know you, Annabeth. You deserve better than tagging along on some hopeless quest to save the camp. Half-Blood Hill will be overrun by monsters within the month. The heroes who survive will have no choice but to join us or be hunted to extinction. You really want to be on a losing team with company like this? Luke pointed at Tyson. Hey, I said. Traveling with a cyclops, Luke chided. Talk about dishonoring Talia's memory. I'm surprised at you, Annabeth. You of all people. Stop it, she shouted. I didn't know what Luke was talking about, but Annabeth buried her hand, her head in her hands like she was about to cry. Leave her alone, I said, and
2: leave Tyson out of this.
0: Wolf. That's a lot going on. There's
2: a lot. There's a lot there. If Luke was like a normal dude, like if he had been born not a half-blood, I think he'd probably be against billionaires instead of gods. <laughs> he's like he's Luke is
1: literally. definitely, he is a birdie bro... Yeah, deeply yeah. Oh, red rose in the
2: Twitter avatar. Luke is an Elizabeth Warren tattoo.
0: <laughs> he brings up this, like, Annabeth, like, Cyclopses. So, again, Luke is in on this, like, Annabeth hating Cyclopses thing. The tension is rising. Um, and he also is trying to, like, get Annabeth on his side, which is something that we're about to see, I don't want to say in every book, but even again later in this book, everyone mm-hmm. wants Annabeth to uh, work for Annabeth them. Annabeth is an asset. Annabeth is being offered internships and scholarships, like, up the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she needs a time she's the most Turner.
2: employable person in this series.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: she literally is. That's,
0: yes. He's like literally yeah, nobody correct. else, not even other children of Athena are as smart as her. Um, And everyone <laughs> just wants her on their side.
1: This is, I think we should also note that like, You know, we've we've sort of been given some version of Luke's spiel before, but this is his first direct appeal to Annabeth. Mm. And it's very different than what he gives to Percy, right? We can see their personal history coming up a lot in this as Luke is trying to win her over and convince her of what he's saying, which is very important to, you know, of course, the way that the series develops, their, their relationship, their history. Yeah. Relevant. We should probably also throw out there that, like, Luke's pitch is fundamentally, like, about overthrowing hierarchies. It's about taking down histories of oppression, neglect. But... we're we also starting to see the cracks in that revolutionary vision and that revolutionary implementation in this very scene, right? Like, as he's saying these things, we can see Luke replicating all of the hierarchies, the exploitations, the the forms of violence that we've seen him rail against and that we don't enjoy in The Olympians, right? We see him talking down to Tyson, and to a greater degree, it seems, than even Annabeth, this bigotry against Cyclopses Mm -hmm. who we who we see as, you know, like, people with, like, consciences. And we see in his discussion of, like, Agrius and Aureus also this similar creation of hierarchy, right? And this idea that he's exploiting them and that he's also, that he doesn't treat them as co-equals, yeah. right? In large part because of their status as monsters. Yeah. yeah, it's just something to think about that, like, sort of like a very uh, Black Panther type energy where, like, he he tries to be very, very explicit early on about reasons why you should listen to the antagonist and like definitely take yeah. most of their critiques at face value, but also like puts all these overt poison pills right. there for us to see um and
2: yeah. question about.
0: Chrissy is still our protagonist and we yeah. still aren't joining Luke's side for some some pretty clear reasons. He- it's pretty clearly evil, yes. although the ideas are positive.
2: It's also crazy that he's like you're working with a cyclops, and it's like, Luke, you're working with, like, a ton of monsters.
0: Like, this this <laughs> ship is full of monsters. <laughs> so his uh, evil speech, can frankly, goes on for, like, five more pages. We find out that he has a spy at Camp Half-Blood, right?
1: Yeah, he knows the coordinates.
0: Yeah, he has a spy at Camp Half-Blood, which is, you know, going to come up until... The very last book, again. So somebody's spying for him. And he also, again, is like, Percy, you need to find out about the Great Prophecy because it involves you, Um, topical. And he's really upset that they talked to his dad. He, again, still hates his dad for reasons we aren't fully specific on. And we also find out, like, most importantly, probably, that Cronus is Mm -hmm. reforming on board of the Princess Andromeda in, like, a sarcophagus, which is really creepy. And he gets more and more powerful, like... A piece of his body appears for every new half-blood they recruit. It's sort of like this Tinkerbell-esque thing of like the more people that believe in her, the more like she can live Mm -hmm. because the gods are just the manifestations of our cultural beliefs and they'll only survive as long as we believe them and we honor them and stuff like that. So Cronus is just reforming by people believing in him. They barely escape. They have a little battle scene Mm -hmm. and then they use the winds that Hermes gave them to shoot on away.
1: So after this, we're jetting away. Um, they have a quick little chat with Kyren to get some advice, figure out where he is. And he's in a weird place. He's in Miami with um, some very loud other people, um, the party ponies specifically, the like other centers who we are led to believe are not like Kyren. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyren's not like the other girls. <laughs> Kyren literally isn't. But... Um, <laughs> We, we don't get a ton out of that because, um, you know, the party ponies are really distracting. It's it hard for them to have a good call. Um, but we, we cross the Mason Dixon line and we're in Virginia now, off the coast. We find this swampy half flood hideout that, um, Luke and Annabeth and Talia created on their early days when they're on the run, mm-hmm. runaways trying to make their way to Camp Half-blood-ish, mm-hmm. maybe. Percy's jealous. He's thinking about all these adventures he's had. Luke is fresh on his mind and what Annabeth's relationship with Luke is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get this really, loaded conversation between Percy and Annabeth about Talia and about whether or not she would have actually taken Luke's side. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Talia is really the, like, invisible character of this book. They reference her consistently throughout, and, like, we hear more and more. As we're, like, tracking Luke and Annabeth's trails, we also hear about Talia and her presence is, like, looming, also because she is theoretically dying because the tree has been poisoned. Mm -hmm. And Annabeth is like, Percy, you and Talia are so alike. You would have been best friends or you would have killed each other. So then the Hydra shows up. Haha, ha, capitalist monsters. You cut off its head, another shop opens up.
1: Chain stores. Yeah. Clarice destroys the Hydra for him. She shows up with her her with her
0: Confederate warship.
2: And her deeply up the complicit Hydra. army.
0: Oh my god. At first I was yes. like, Clarice is cool. And then Ola came on and reminded us that she's a criminal. And then this happens, and you're like, ooh.
2: her brand is just so bad right now
0: the middle of this book isn't great for clarice but she has this confederate ship with her uh the css birmingham with an army of ghost confederate soldiers that Ares like cooked up for her and we find out like it's because no one wanted to go on the quest with her
2: that's really sad yeah that's can you imagine if Ares was like here's your your ship full of uh confederate ghosts and she was like can I have some Union
1: Ghosts? Like, is that cool? <laughs> this is one of the, the tidbits that they get as to how she gets this crew, is that every every soldier who is on the losing side of a war has to pay a debt to Ares. And this is how he has procured this for her. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I guess it is possible to read this as a form of torture for the Confederate soldiers, that they need to keep
2: reliving battles because they, like, picked the wrong side. I just I just feel like not everybody who's ever lost a wolf <laughs> was the bad guy.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Western civilization. Um, but they end up going with her basically like Clarice is like, you're my prisoners now. Okay, whatever. They need transport. So they're all three of them are on the Confederate ship. Percy has another dream. This time the stakes get amped up even more. Percy physically sees the golden fleece. He's like, even through this empathy link dream, I can feel the nature magic. I totally get it. Grover is like, you have one day, like, because Polyphemus is like, oh, it's gonna be fine, like tomorrow we will get married, and Grover is like, why? <laughs> Save me!
1: Polyphemus finally fixes the the historically infamous problem of, of the wedding train that never gets finished yeah. with some magic wool.
0: Yeah,
2: that it's crazy. Like in in the actual Odyssey, that trick works for like ten years.
1: Yeah, we we also get, a, like a little quick tour of like the obstacles on the island. Where Grover's like, oh, what if someone were to try to take me away from you? And Polyphemus is like, um, "The these sheep over here actually eat flesh. And also there's a giant ravine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The island looks bad.
0: Yeah, video game style, like obstacles that they're going to have to get through once they get to the island. But now they only have one day to do it. Classic Rick Riordan move. We thought we had all this time up the stakes. Just cut all the time out. <laughs> Very good. Ares like visits the ship ugh, why why is he here? We hate him. I don't even want to talk about him. But he, like, is like, I should have sent one of my sons out and not you, Clarice. And you're like, oh, frick, now I feel bad for Clarice again. But
2: it's also like, he didn't even send her. Yeah. Yeah. Tantalus did.
0: Tantalus did. They mentioned the Oracle. Like, something is going on. It's, like, fishy that, like, the Oracle might have told Clarice, like, this quest actually wasn't for her, probably. But Ares needs to, like... Mm-hmm. Clean his name because remember in the last book Percy straight up stabbed him. God of War. An eleven year
2: old just fucking wrecked his yeah.
0: ass. No, straight up. Okay.
1: We we've arrived to the Sea of Monsters.
0: Yeah, the entrance to the Sea there's, of there's Monsters. There's like a
1: little quick aside where Annabeth is like, couldn't we have taken one of the other entrances? And Clarice says, no, I want an entrance that I can blow up. Which magical moment that there. That's <laughs>
0: well, uh, Clarice wow. Clarice knows she's gonna be a legend. <laughs> <Kinda> happens, <man. laughs>
1: So the specific entrance they're at is between Charybdis and Scylla, these two sister monsters that are kind of iconic and legendary.
0: I looked up that pronunciation. Yes.
1: Shout out to the pronunciation guides in our notes files here.
0: <laughs> I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Yeah.
1: Um, real quick mythological background. Charybdis is this basically mouth in the ocean that creates giant waves Whirlpools. in and out by sucking in all the ocean water yeah. and then spitting it all out. Yeah. So she can wreck ships, she can eat ships. And also it's it it seems like it'd be really hard to kill her because she's yeah. a hole in the There's ocean. a lot of
0: background there's a lot of yes. like different background on why she was transformed, but it was basically one of those typical like she was pretty and then Zeus transformed her into the most hideous sea monster of all time. <laughs> it had something to do with like Zeus fighting with Poseidon also, so very relevant. This has been going on for <sighs> literally millennia.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Also, she has braces. LOL. LOL! That's so
1: random and relevant to um our lives as tweens. Yeah. Um <laughs> and on the on the other side of this um watery passageway, we have Silla, who is this monster atop a really, really high cliff. So no one can attack her because, you know, she's out of the cannon range. You can't like slice her, the arrows won't reach her, etc. And she basically her whole thing is she reaches over the side and grabs passengers on ships and just eats them and if you try to hide your passengers she'll grab your entire ship shake it up eat the whole thing i don't know unclear but she if you go too close to her side then she'll get you if you go too close to the other side you'll get sucked into the whirlpool it's sort of this impossible choice where you can't actually go straight down the middle with these two yes
0: the internet was telling me that between scylla and charybdis is like a common phrase which means like between a rock and a hard place and i was like (laughs) no never heard anyone say that before.
2: I feel like it's kind of an easy decision. Like we all go up on, on top of the deck and six of us get eaten or the boat sinks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point because basically it's like, this is literally like the stakes of this pass are so high. People mm-hmm. will be it's dying. Sort of inevitable. We know that much.
2: Also, I don't want to like belabor this, but most of the crew is racist. <laughs> I just feel like I, I feel like I'd be like, Clarice, get everybody up here and we're just going to roll the dice on this Yeah, They're racist and also like dead.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's how Odysseus made it through. Like he um, just like allowed like I think like six people died and that was kind of it. And they eventually made it through. Um, So it was like Odysseus and Jason and the Argonauts are the famous stories in which these monsters appear. And in the Jason and the Argonauts story, like Hera who texts them and... Uh, gives them an alternate passageway. Mm-hmm. And I think Annabeth mentions that. She's like, can we take the Jason ray? And Greece is like, no, bitch.
1: Which are also terrifying.
0: Also briefly mentioning again, Scylla was also a pretty woman who was transformed by the gods oh, to be a monster. No.
2: Pattern, no. perhaps? They do that? They do that a lot.
0: Going back to the Medusa conversation. Yeah. The Medea conversation. Mm-hmm. It just happens over and over and over again. But then they become legends. But why couldn't they have been pretty legends?
1: We're about to oh. meet a pretty legend. But that's after the break. Hey
0: <laughs> Stakes are high. What are we going to do? We know someone's going to die. The stakes are building. The tension is building. These monsters are no joke. Not only is this happening, little Confederate BS warship is like Mm -hmm. about to explode um, and the Confederate soldiers can't fix it. And so Tyson goes down there and is like, I got this. I'm fireproof. He goes into the engine room. He gives them just enough gas to like wheel them out of the whirlpool. They're about to like abandon ship because they know it's going to blow up. Percy's like, we can't leave Tyson. Um, And they're like, Wah! and Percy's like, I'm going to go and get him. And as he runs down to the engine room, he gets picked up by his backpack by Scylla. Um, and then he like barely manages to like stab her in the eye or something. And he falls all the way down off the cliff sides down towards the ocean as the ship explodes beneath him. And we don't know Tyson. what happened to Tyson or like anyone even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In this literal like, moment,
1: we're like, did Annabeth and Clarice
0: also die? Like, everything is yeah. exploded.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they get on the boat. He's like, oh, Tyson
0: and all those racists.
2: <laughs> You're <they're> Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> so on that haha cliffhanger, we're going to take a quick break and we're back.
1: So, so we um, wake up on a lifeboat with Annabeth. We learned that we're like pretty sure Clarice survived and we're pretty sure that Tyson didn't. Um yes mm. um and that brings up a whole you know Percy's really guilty Annabeth is really guilty it's it's, it's a hard moment for us we also get this um intense conversation about the prophecy where Annabeth gives us some more details the prophecy as it turns out is the reason why we had the big 3 pact because the prophecy says a kid of the big 3 is going to decide what happens to Olympus is it going to stick around or is um bad stuff going down this gives us some insight into you know like why why we care about the big three why percy has all this drama surrounding him why chronos isn't trying hard to kill percy and as we're having this conversation annabeth also really coolly drops in there like you know this isn't necessarily about you we thought it was about talia and then she died so maybe chill out a little bit and then percy's like shout out to my mortality we love that um But we also get this really fascinating line that also gets brought back up a few times later in the books, which is Annabeth saying, you know, some of the gods would like to kill you, but they're probably afraid of offending Poseidon. What does that mean? Is Poseidon protecting Percy then? What if Poseidon...
0: That's so ...stop protecting
1: Percy because they don't have a great relationship. (laughs) You know, like, that's, that's so loaded.
0: But also, I feel like it makes him feel... I mean... It, I feel like it would make me feel really special. I'd be like, oh, my dad does actually really like me, and he'd be willing to, like, f- fuck up mm. some other gods in order to protect me. I feel like
2: the like the moniker for parental love shouldn't be they would be upset if I got killed. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that. Yes. Like, P- Percy will yeah. take anything at Bring this point. He's like, I'd be upset if you were murdered. And he's like, dad.
1: really?" <laughs> we sail on, we get to this beautiful island. It's a spa. Relief. Excellent. There is, you know, only women there. Fascinating. What's up with that? They get brought in, offered makeovers. But surprise, surprise. It turns out that it's actually Circe's island. Circe, legendary witch, daughter of Hecate. I like literally Hecate. Hecate. I Hecate. really
0: think it's Hecate. I'm pretty sure it's
1: Hecate as well. Yeah. I'm with the,
0: that.
1: the goddess of magic. Anyway, god. This is the daughter of the goddess of magic, like legendary witch, probably the most famous witch in Greek mythology. Maybe second to Medea, but I think it's still Circe. Most famous in mythology for turning men into pigs, and she goes ahead and does that again. Except now it's a guinea pig because we have to update it
0: um yeah she takes annabeth in and she's like let's like teach you some stuff and annabeth is like okay and they go and they give her makeover and then Sir says like percy i'm gonna give you your makeover and she's like look in my mirror what do you see and percy sees a version of himself that is like in his mind without flaws so like no acne lol mm-hmm. taller taller tanner which seems like percy in a couple books from now so uh is he perfect <laughs> maybe But (laughs) Cersei kind of, like, uses her magic and lures him into taking, like, the magic potion that turns him into a guinea pig. Um, And this all happens in, like, five pages, and he, like, turns into a guinea pig, and then Annabeth bursts back in and is like, wait a goddamn second. I don't want to wear makeup. Something is going on here. Um, And she sees the guinea pig cage, and she has this genius idea where, like, how is she going to fight, like, one of the most powerful witches of all time? She takes the multivitamin gummy... Um, one of them that Hermes gave her. And she becomes invincible for a second. And I don't know why in my brain I see, like, the you know when you, like, run, you like crash into a star in Mario Kart? Yes! And I you... was literally about to say that! Okay, why <laughs> is it that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is literally what... I was like, she's glowing with, like, pastel colors and, like, flying off the walls. That's so funny. And then she manages to um, momentarily defeat her and transform Percy and the other guinea pigs back into men. And Sars is like, no, those are the worst of all of them. And we're like, what? And we realized that it's like straight up Blackbeard, infamous pirate, and his crew, which is interesting because it makes sense because like we're in the Sea of Monsters, right? It's like the Bermuda Triangle, Edward Teach and stuff mm-hmm. and stuff. They were like yes. sailing around the Caribbean in the 1700s. And it made me think about how like, okay, the like flame of Western civilization has been here since the Pilgrims, I guess. Mm-hmm again reminding me how crappy yeah. western civilization is
1: and this is i think the uh, like not the first but like th- this is maybe the most gender critical moment we get for like a good while in this series where cersei straight up is just like men are trash annabeth come learn some real skills yes because this is how women actually succeed she's yes. basically saying like you like if you want to try with the sword shit like you can try, but they'll forget you and they'll trample over you and they'll assume that men will do it better. You should try it my way because I'm a legend. Yes. And I'm immortal and you can be like me.
0: Which isn't the first time that we're going to see Annabeth turn down a group of powerful women in favor of a, a little Percy Jackson. A
2: little,
0: little Jackson. <laughs> a little, little
2: Jackson. <laughs> an, adorable, an adorable moment in this, which I thought was like very cute, is when Annabeth comes in and she's wearing makeup... He's like, oh, my God, she looks amazing, but she just, like, doesn't look like Annabeth. And I was like, I was like, you "You, little king. Classic, (laughs)
0: classic. He's so, there aren't even words. Wow. Our standards are so low for men, but, like, wow.
2: (laughs) He's like, I wanted to look like herself. And we're all like, wow.
0: (laughs) That hits me. That hits me where it hurts. Um, And then, yeah, this whole thing happens and Annabeth is like, I'm glad you're not a guinea pig. And we're like, oh, Aw. she literally saved his life. They um, are like running down, running down the island and they see a huge ass ship and it's Queen Anne's Revenge, Blackbeard's famous ship. They're like, this is our only choice. The pirates are running downhill after them. Uh, Percy yeah. and Annabeth fully steal the ship. And per- they're like, how are we going to sail this thing? And Percy is like, wait a second, I have superpowers, mizzen mast, And like the sails go up <laughs> um, and they're, they're off. They're off the island, so they they make it just barely.
1: Shout out to also. Th- this is the second of two like very. Um, ha- what is the right way to say this? Like vehicles of colonial violence that we see as important um, modes of transportation for them in these series,
0: literal physical um. vehicles. Yeah, so they're sailing away. We're having a little bit like after all of this shit that just went down. We're having a little bit little bit of respite. Um, they're on the ship. They know they have less than 24 hours to get to Grover. Percy is like, he's like, wow, I've never felt better. Like, this is something I'm really good at. He's kind of reflecting on the fact that, like, even though he's a man again, boy again, he feels like maybe that guinea pig part of him is never going to go away or that, like, it was just more brought to his attention by the transformation. He feels, like, skittish and scared and, like, not like the invincible demigod (laughs) that we have seen him be. And he feels like he's feeling a little bit like a pig of man, which is fine because... He needs to reflect on that, frankly.
1: Percy <laughs> needs to check Frank his language.
0: <laughs> he does, like, yeah. And he, and he does he it periodically does. throughout the book. He does, and this is one of those moments. Um, and while they're sailing, him and Annabeth, they pass all kinds of crazy sea of monsters shit, like Hephaestus forges, um, where he makes his mechanical inventions, which is creepy. Um, and then we get another good old-fashioned nighttime, dark time, story time, campfire bonding conversation between the two of them and we finally get the answer as to why annabeth is mm-hmm. so anti-cyclops
1: yes we so, so the backstory is that they are you know they were on their way up to camp half blood they're i believe in like brooklyn they're in some outer borough yeah, um and they, they get brooklyn. trapped in the lair of a cyclops um and the cyclops uses that like voice mimicking technique that we saw tyson use right as a way to trap them in this mini labyrinth, right, by um, leading uh, Luke and Talia and Annabeth to all believe that they're, you know, running to save each other. It's all a lie. The Cyclops traps all of them individually, separates them, is about to eat them, and then Annabeth has the Cyclops, they get away. Yeah. Um, and that that's, we're led to believe from Annabeth that this is, as much as anything else, the reason why they don't get back to camp on time because yeah. they lost so much time trying to escape the Cyclops. Although, I don't know, it's, like, interesting that we get the story from Annabeth after she, you know, after we've lost Tyson, after Annabeth is basically saying at this point, like, you know, this is, like, the reason why I used to be, like, racist, basically. And now she's saying, like, you know, this was a trauma I had, but, like, you know, doesn't mean I should be racist. And,
0: and then Percy has another dream. Um, and this time he, like, sees Talia unnamed in his dream on the Princess Andromeda um, going to Cronus's casket, sarcophagus thing, and, like, opening it up. Very spooky. Talia's—I don't know what's going on. Like, is it just that they were talking about her? Or, like, is her presence growing stronger? Or is she about to die? Why is Percy dreaming about her? Um, and then Annabeth is like, Percy, wake up. I've got this plan. This is insane.
1: This is the big one. Yeah, we we are arriving at the Siren's <laughs> Cove legendary, right? So the Simon's whole thing is that they lure people to their deaths, right? There are these like vulture women that sing a song that is so good that people jump out of their ships, go to them and die um, and get eaten. But, you know, like Percy, the first reaction is to be like, oh, you know, like we can beat this. You just have to plug up your ears. All good. We'll sail on by. But Annabeth wants to take a page out of, um I was about to say Oedipus, but that's wrong, <laughs> um, Odysseus's oh. book. Uh, um, are- not ears. Rick, Rick
2: runs like, we have a new counselor, Oedipus.
1: <laughs> anyway, Annabeth wants to emulate Odysseus, who, you know, tr- got tied up to, like, the uh, mass of a ship when his crew sailed by the sirens in order to hear their song without being tempted to actually jump over and go to them. Um, because it's supposed to make you wiser, right? Like, y- when you find out what they think will tempt you more than anything else, that's supposed to be useful information for you to have in understanding yeah. your weaknesses. So Annabeth
2: does that. definitely
0: something you would do, Carter. I mean, yeah, this is, this is important stuff.
2: Um. Here's the thing though, if, if Annabeth woke me up and was like, hey, I want you to tie me to the mask so I can listen to the sirens, I would be like, haven't we done enough today? Like, it's just, would be like, we just, I just, what what more are you going to learn? Like. Percy was
1: fully another animal
2: the same it's day. Like, this has been quite yeah, an adventure already. <laughs> I'm just so tired.
1: But as it turns out, Annabeth is better than Odysseus. Because, um, for, for worse in this case, because, you know, the, Percy plugs his ears up, ties her up. They, they're sailing on by. Annabeth is straining, but she actually escapes, unlike Odysseus. Jumps overboard and swims to, to swims to the sirens, and Percy has to go try to rescue her. Um, yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's intense. I mean, as Annabeth is like jumping through the ocean, like Percy's like okay, I got to go after her and he sees the vultures which look terrifying and like they're about to eat her and then he also for a moment sees what Annabeth is seeing, which is this vision of like her family reunited. I think Athena too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Athena, her dad, her dad, her dad and Luke. And Luke.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid oh, so emotion
0: <laughs> I get it, but Percy is like, "Oh, frick!" But there's no time to really like have emotions because he literally like, and this is this is bad. This is level ten bad. So he yeah. manages to grab Annabeth, like catch her by the waist, and well,
1: probably time for a reading.
0: Should we just uh, go directly <laughs> to the source for this iconic moment? This is on page one ninety seven. The water sound didn't travel well underwater. If I could submerge her long enough, I could break the spell of the music. Of course, Annabeth wouldn't be able to breathe, but at the moment that seemed like a minor problem. I grabbed her around the waist and ordered the waves to push us down. We shot into the depths, 10 feet, 20 feet. I knew I had to be careful because I could withstand a lot more pressure than Annabeth. She fought and struggled for breath as bubbles rose around us. Bubbles. I was desperate. I had to keep Annabeth alive. I imagined all the bubbles in the sea, always churning, rising. I imagined them coming together, being pulled toward me. The sea obeyed. There was a flurry of white, a tickling sensation all around me. And when my vision cleared, Annabeth and I had a huge bubble of air around us. Only our legs stuck into the water. She gasped and coughed. Her whole body shuddered. But when she looked at me, I knew the spell had been broken. She started to sob. I mean, horrible, heartbroken sobbing. She put her head on my shoulder and I held her. Fish gathered to look at us. A school of barracudas. Some curious marlins. Scram, I told them. They swam off. But I could tell they went reluctantly. I swear I understood their intentions. They were about to start rumors flying around the sea about the son of Poseidon and some girl at the bottom of Siren Bay.
1: (laughs) Iconic. That imagery.
0: Holy crap! Whew. I mean, I don't even know what to say. This is, of course, where our uh, our logo art comes from for our podcast. Right, right. Is the bubble and the bubble? We know, all know it comes back later on. Oh. Um, that's your
1: Persebath right here. Yes,
0: absolute. The most important image in like Persibeth canon is this underwater bubble, um, and it's just so sweet because we know that like Percy just got hit with this image. He knows what Annabeth wants more than anything in the world, and he, the only thing he can do is to save her. And they're 12. Yeah, these, these
2: are kids.
0: As a friend bonding moment, like, wow. He just saved her life after she saved his. They've been through a lot today. Yes. And then after this, and now there's going to it's rumors. not just
1: that he saves her life and not just that he saves her life romantically, it's also that, you know, like, he has seen her, like, deepest, darkest, like, fears, desires, like, all of that. Like, that, that sort of intimacy is, like,
2: truly, like... Yeah. Also... Supernatural levels. Luke was there. They're
0: connected now.
2: Also, Luke was there. And he was not. Like, if I was Percy, I'd be looking around and be like, oh, I guess I didn't make the picnic, huh? <laughs> Am I at least a friend? Am this I is like...
0: I felt when uh, Kyle made a list of people he cared about. Oh, my God. I knew, and, I, knew uh, I knew this would happen. Michael I knew was on the list <laughs> I... before... I was I, so I,
2: I Carter I made a list of people I love and it was a very long list and uh I, I, I Erica was on the list but Michael Phelps was above her on the list and when I showed everybody the list Erica comes over and she goes oh and I was like what and she was like Michael Phelps is on the list and I'm below Michael Phelps and I was like yes yeah, so, well so what like in you were like, no one else in NBC is uh, below Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: can only, I can only understand a tidbit of what Percy was going.
2: Through yeah, my my fatal <laughs> my fatal flaw is my just love for Michael Phelps. <laughs> oh no! Oh no!
0: Anyway, this iconic imagery, this iconic moment for them—they're bonded on a level. Can't, it's just the two of them now, right? There's no Grover, there's no Tyson, and they've just had this insane, or Percy just had this insane look into Annabeth's life, and Annabeth has had to be the most vulnerable with him. And they get back to the boat, and she's basically like, thank you for saving my life. I now know what my fatal flaw is. It's hubris. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in addition to all those people on the island, she also saw, like, a city, like, an incredible, the most amazing city of all time with buildings that she had designed herself. And yes. her fatal flaw is thinking that she yeah. is better than the gods which some we might just call confidence it's it, hubris
1: is supposed to be like one of the most common heroic fatal flaws that yeah. we we get from annabeth here uh like n- not just because she like thinks that she can build a city better than the gods but also that like you know like we, we get like a little hint of her saying that it's not limited to architecture right when she's talking to percy there are these hints of the revolutionary consciousness in her as well where she's saying like you know like other people have screwed things up and don't Like, don't you feel like you could do it better? Don't you feel like you understand what the problems are, and like that, like you should get more power to fix them? And Percy basically is like, no, I
2: legit cannot relate to this. Well, Percy's twelve. If someone asked me when I was twelve, like, do you think you could rebuild society? I'd be like, absolutely. I guess that is the level that, like, on which Annabeth maybe is special
1: of being like thirteen and being like, I'm better than everyone.
0: Yeah. I honestly think that I think that I'm better than a lot of people. And I would not say yes to that question where Annabeth is like, don't you think that you do everything better? I'd be like, absolutely not. I'm not that retweet, smart. Retweet, I don't it. trust myself. I'm not worldly enough. Um, but I'm not a child of Athena. Um, and Percy is kind of like, hmm, wonder what my fatal flaw is. And Annabeth is like, yeah, you better figure that shit out, Percy, because, Chronos knows. you know, Yeah, I want to take a moment and ask, like, Kyle, from, like, you know, you're a writer, you wrote a fantasy Mm -hmm. series, like, is this, what do you think of this as, like, a narrative device to set, like, to have looming over Mm -hmm. Percy now, like, this thing is going to get you killed? I
2: mean, I think it works really well, like, um, Aaron Sorkin says if you're, like, writing something and you want your character to go through some sort of development, you have to chase them up a tree and then throw rocks at them, and... Um, I think in a certain way, like, giving someone a fatal flaw is a way to just, like, convince them to run up the tree themselves. Mm. Um And, you know, yeah, like, I definitely, like, whenever I write characters, I'm always pushing, like, flaw first because it's, like, instant conflict and stakes. Right. And I feel like all the characters I write are either, like, alcoholics or war criminals, so... <laughs> uh sure sure um
0: we are all either one of those choose
2: correctly yeah you're either you're either an alcoholic or a war criminal (laughs) that's my personality test (laughs) people like what cabin are you in it's like nope that's not (laughs) how we do it in the feud trilogy (laughs)
0: yeah all right great so
2: and with that yeah
0: if that they realize that percy's nautical skills kick in and he's like great here we are the island of polyphemus. Fin- final
1: boss battle time.
0: Yeah, literally. Final boss last last couple struggles to the island and they they just made it barely in time to save Grover. Yay! So that's Ooh. the end of the content that we had to get through. We know the drill, Kyle. Questions for you. Great. Do you believe Persebeth? And you're, you know, this. You're a writer, so of course this this includes your own canon. But do you think that Persebeth is the greatest love story ever told?
2: Oh, uh, she made it confrontational. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, all the romances in the few trilogy are crazy. <laughs> uh, yes, I will. I, I reading that like bubble scene and like seeing how it comes back. I feel like when I read the first five books, I was like, oh yeah, this is like they're like meant to be together. This is like pretty great. And then when you read Heroes of Olympus, it's kind of like they really up the like devotion and like healthiness of that relationship. And I just think it like builds like nicely and beautifully. And I'm like jazzed that they're together. Yeah. All, also that like whole thing where they're like falling off a cliff together. It's like one of the most iconic.
0: Tartarus?
2: Into Tartarus. Uh, it's like one of the most I'm iconic How dare you fucking, bring that up? I know. It, I remember like reading that part and then like closing the book and being like, like absolutely gut punched
0: Will I find true love? Like
2: Yeah, I was like, will anyone
0: <laughs> ever jump to, yeah. into hell with me? Yeah. I guess honestly that Carter, we're really gonna have to do Heroes of Olympus because there are some important moments.
1: We we need to do Heroes of Olympus yeah. literally, I would say, just for the Nico scene and
2: jumping into and Tartarus.
0: Brasaba. Yeah, we'll figure oh, out we'll figure out how to do it.
2: <laughs> it's also like dope that I feel like Rick Riordan wrote this first series and people were like, more diversity. And he was like, okay. And he added a fuck ton of diversity. And then they were like, more gay people. And he was like, yeah, you got it. Like, every single time someone's like, we want this. He's like, all right, I'll do my best. You
1: <laughs> heard it here first. Let's start the campaign for um, a polyamorous relationship of three gender non-conforming people of color. That's I mean, the next book so challenge,
0: Rick. Right? Oh, great, well, last question, Kyle, um, do you think we should save Western civilization. No. Yeah.
2: No. Like, well, I just like, I was thinking about this cause I saw this question on like the, on the notes and I was thinking about it and it's like, the thing that I like about Greek mythology is that it's sort of like brutally honest in the sense where a lot of religions are like, you're beloved <laughs> and like, the like everybody loves you and you're like the best and like, Greek mythology is like, yep, pretty much everybody with power is a horny misogynist, and that's why the world is the way it works. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, at least it makes sense. <laughs> but, like, that doesn't mean we have to, like, stick our necks out for him. I feel like. Yeah. You know, mm. you know like, if Zeus was like, Kyle, I need your help or I'm going to lose my rule, I'm going to be like, I can't even associate with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Retweet that. I back. agree.
2: Even when I was like reading these books, like, or even like reading Greek mythology back in like elementary school, I was like, nobody's stopping this guy. He <laughs> can just do whatever.
0: Retweet. Except, unfortunately, the only person stopping him is also um, an angsty, brooding white man.
2: Well, and also Hera. Like, everybody's like, oh, like Hera's like so annoying. Like, she's so naggy. And it's like her husband is literally cheating on her like every day. <laughs> and like, I don't know. He's a bad dude. Like
0: I do also think Hera is a bit of a Karen, but we will,
2: You're we right. will get to that.
0: <laughs> Hera's a real <laughs> victim time.
2: blamer. Yeah. She's always like going after the women. And it's like, no, your your husband is trash.
0: Yeah. she's. Yeah. A, I mean, Hera is the definition of internalized misogyny. Like, that's a whole, we're going to have to do that later. But <laughs>
2: you guys got a lot to cover.
0: <laughs> yes. So is there anything else that you would like to add um, before we go
2: um, on? That's it. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank Woo! you so much for being here. Um, y'all, buy Kyle's book. I'm not paying him to do this, so someone <laughs> yeah, should. <laughs> um, the Sparks, the Feud Trilogy, The Ashes is coming out soon. Thank you Hell so yeah. much for being here. Next time, yeah. we're going to finish up the Sea of Monsters, baby, and move closer and closer to all of our favorite book, The Titan's Curse. Bye! Bye, Peace.